Coming up on this episode of Coordinate It. So I went uh, to the lowest performing high and looked up the list, literally the school uh, that was ranked last, uh, bottom of the list uh, for New York City achieving state standards. Uh, and um, I walked into the building uh, in the principal my resume and said, I'm, I'm here to teach next school year. Since 1955, the College Board's Advanced Placement Program has been delivering excellence in education to millions of students worldwide through over 18,000 AP programs. And in each of those AP programs, there's an important role. So, today, we shine the spotlight on the AP Coordinator. And what makes a good AP coordinator? Well, I believe the best AP coordinators are dedicated, motivated, and of course, coordinated. I am Derek Kometa, and this is Coordinated. Thanks for joining us for a series of interviews with experienced and incredibly talented AP coordinators. This school year, more than just about any in recent history, presents some unique and unprecedented times for schools and AP programs. Perhaps, perhaps there is no better time to share our collective voices and perspectives. Period one, dedicated. Often when one thinks of a new year, specifically New Year's Eve, well, naturally, New York City comes to mind. It's a magical time seeing the ball drop as the clock strikes midnight. And this year, this year, I think it's safe to assume that most everyone is looking forward to a very bright and shiny new year. Now, looking forward also gives us time to reflect as well. In previous episodes of our show, you may have heard me say, quote, once a coordinator, always a coordinator. And I say that not only about myself, about my time as an AP coordinator, but I also believe this to be true of others, including a few unique colleagues at the College Board. So today, today we are really pleased to share a conversation with Edward Biederman. Edward is the Executive Director of AP Outreach at the College Board. He is also a former social studies teacher, assistant principal, principal, and you guessed it, AP coordinator. And proud of it. Edward, welcome to Coordinated. <laughs> Thanks so much, Derek. That was a great intro. I am super happy to be here. And yes, a very proud uh, former AP coordinator. Uh, can we say emeritus, uh, AP coordinator emeritus? <laughs> we, uh, we have connections. We can maybe see if we can get that put in the AP coordinator's manual. Love it. All right. Well, Edward, thank you so much for taking the time out from your, your busy schedule to chat with us. We really appreciate it. And I suppose we should be good educators and start by setting a solid foundation. So I know that your, your former school, the Harbor School, is in New York, of course. 
Governor's Island specifically. Uh, how about yourself? Did you grow up in New York as well? Uh, I did grow up in New York, uh, Derek, uh, but I grew up on Long Island, so not New York City proper. Uh, I grew up in the suburbs out on Long Island. I grew up in a in a town um, that had a school district, one high school school district. So there was like seven elementary schools, three middle schools, one high school. I think the high school must have had an enrollment of just shy of 2,000. I think there was about 500, just shy of 500 in each of our graduating classes. Um, Super exciting place to grow up out on Long Island. The school district did everything it could to have as many opportunities available to, to the students and specifically in high school, I recall giant sports program. And I think we we had, I think every AP was offered uh, at, at um, my high school. So that so it was really cool uh, to grow up there. I, I took like 11-ish AP courses, I think. Wow. Um, Overachiever. Uh, Overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, <laughs> um, or highly influenced by my very competitive group of friends. Um, but uh yeah, actually, now that I think about it, we had two sections. Uh, I've never thought about this from uh, an adult perspective uh, or an educator perspective. I think we had two sections of AP for every AP class we offered, which is pretty big for uh, a high school that's about 2,000. Uh, so, that was, uh, so that was exciting. Uh, I grew up, So I grew up on Long Island, uh, suburban kind of a school, uh, school district, and then went off uh, to college. I left New York uh, for college. I, w- I went up to Connecticut. I, I went to undergrad at Yale. So not too far from home, um, but uh, not too close either. And uh, it's also an extraordinary school. Um, and then came back, uh, then came back to New York City and um, began working uh, in the New York City Department of Education. And so that, that leads me to my next question, Edward. Where did you where did you find the inspiration to go into teaching? Now, I heard a rumor that you began your career as a social studies teacher. Did you know that that teaching was something you wanted to do all along? Uh, you know, uh, um, m- maybe yes. Uh, so here's what I do know, and uh, two very kind of. Uh, specific life experiences that I think led me to where uh, to where I am now. One happened in the early 90s. I must have been in like the seventh uh, or uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I was definitely in middle school. And, you know, I was excited about student council at the time. And uh, I, I think I was the school set treasurer or whatever I was, uh, some leadership role in student council. And um, if, if educators recall, in the early 90s, part of the school reform movement had site-based management teams where the schools would take on ownership of reform efforts in the districts, individual schools and, and the constituents in the school. So the teachers, uh, parents, school leaders, counselors would sit on a small site-based management team. Part of the rules of that site-based management team were to also have student representatives. And I was a student representative uh, as the school treasurer, which whatever, I think, I really think it was the treasurer, because uh, I think that the it was vote for Edward, it makes sense, was uh, C-E-N-T-S, was my, uh, was my, that was, that was help from dad, um, for sure. Uh, but... So as as the as a student representative on this panel uh, on this team, you know, you you would kind of meet in the school library after school, uh, and they would talk about school issues and reform. And I and I had this very specific 
thought and a memory that's lasted with me was that they were talking about ways that they could help improve the school. And it occurred to me that they didn't have an answer. There was like no right answer. They were they were debating multiple ways that we could move the school forward. And, you know, up until that point, I thought my teachers and the school principal always had the right, they were always right. They always had the right answer. They always knew what to do. But in this moment where they were kind of debating each other on the next move for the building, and I don't even remember the topic, but I remember thinking, wow, they don't know what the right answer is. This sounds like a problem I can solve as an adult. I'm going to have the right answer when I am in charge of a school. And so that very kind of, uh, as an impressioned young kid, that, um, that moment led me to be very excited about thinking how to help schools um, do better for, for students and how to help schools uh, solve uh, student problems and, and propel students into, into big, bright futures. Uh, the other kind of experience I had that helped lead me down the path was a fellowship I had while an undergrad. Uh, I was um, a fellow at the U.S. Department of Education in D.C., uh, and so I worked in, in the secretary's office this was during the uh, second Bush administration, uh, during the No Child Left Behind era, and um, they were kind of rolling out that um, that bill, I should say in parentheses, at a time when most people liked it. Uh, and um, uh, good disclaimer. Yeah. Good disclaimer. <laughs> and and I and I mention it only because part of the the, the legislation, uh, part of that that law, as they were rolling it out had this rule that 95% of um, students had to meet state standards at whatever grade level they were in. And I thought to myself, that's a really high number. How do we get every school? It was basically saying every kid mattered. Love that. Um, And every kid needed to obtain uh, the state standards. Love that too. Um, That's not what's currently. How do we we make that happen? Um, And I thought, well, I, I really like education policy, I, you know, as a political science, political kind of philosophy concentration major at, at Yale. These kind of big ideas were exciting to me. How do we how do we move this enormous system so that every student in public schools is able to uh, or succeeds? Um and having felt very successful in my own public school education uh, and, um, and, and AP propelling me into, in, uh, in, into great opportunities, I thought, wow, this is, this is really an exciting moment. Can schools do this? If I'm going to go into policy, I need to have some uh, street cred here. Let me, go, um, let me go see if this is, how do you do this? So I left Yale. Uh, I immediately rolled in the teacher prep program at Yale. Uh, so was formally trained to be a teacher through that kind of longstanding program there. Uh, credentialed in Connecticut and apply. You know, you apply for for reciprocity in other states, take exams, and then I came back to New York City and I looked for the lowest performing high school in New York City uh, because I thought. If we can get, this is where I'm going to learn uh, what, uh, you know, where policy hits the road uh, and what it would be like uh, to to get all students to succeed uh, at the school. So I went uh, to the lowest performing high and looked up the list, literally the school uh, that was ranked bottom of the list uh, for New York City achieving state standards. uh, And um, I 
walked into the building, uh, handed the principal my resume, and said, I'm here to teach next school year. Uh, that wow. experience is a story for another podcast, perhaps. Um, but I did land the job, uh, and um, it is where I started uh, as a social studies teacher, uh, Derek. And the, I think the, the cool thing about that learning experience is um, total eye-opening for me. And, and one of the biggest things was there was no AP at this school when I walked in. I, you know, I was a licensed social studies teacher. I thought, brand new teacher, I could teach whatever I, you know, give me, give me, no, no, whatever, whatever course you want to, you know, hand me. They gave me ninth graders. Also a conversation for an, another podcast on teaching ninth graders. <laughs> um, uh, they had no AP program. There was not a single AP class in this building Um uh, that changed. That changed in the following year, um, and you know, found other teachers who were willing to kind of support starting some AP classes. Uh, but but I started as an AP social, as a social studies, not as, I started as a social studies teacher uh, in New York City uh, at the lowest performing high school in New York, and in, in an attempt to really understand what w- would take to ensure all students uh, kind of benefited from from public education and. and from, from the hard work and efforts of, of educators um, in their buildings. Well, Edward, I didn't know that part. I didn't know that you specifically sought out the uh, most difficult challenge possible. And uh, I do know, though, that after spending some time in the classroom, you decided that wasn't enough of a challenge and you needed to take on an even harder challenge. So you, you decided to make the transition into school leadership. I did, yes, true. Uh, so after um, just shy, I think, of a decade in the classroom. Um, uh, my goal, so my goal while I was a teacher is I needed to make sure, I, I, I was not going to leave the classroom until I, um, some student from the building was admitted to Harvard. Uh, that was kind of my personal goal. Uh, I was not, I, I wasn't, I wasn't leaving until that, that happened. Uh, it's like eight or so years later, uh, we were able to make that happen. And I learned a whole lot about culture building and school reform in those years, uh, what it takes, um, the power of positive thinking, the power of infrastructure and collaboration um, among among uh, educators in the building, and 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 kind of all rowing in the in the same direction. But I, you know, I so I met my goal, and I thought, uh, still pretty young in 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 life, I thought. You know, it's time for me to be the one making decisions, uh, and so, uh, and so I and I, uh, it was it was I, w- I was ready to kind of move on. You know, while a teacher, I had held standard kind of teaching position. I did department chair, kind of data specialist in the school, uh, other kind of roles that you you pitch in and help out along the way. And so I felt like I, I had uh, experiences under my belt. So. Uh, it was it was either go to the district office, uh, the district uh, so the New York City Department of Education district office, um, and at the time they were looking for someone to help in reform efforts at struggling schools, and that is where I had done all of my early work. And so I thought, oh, this is this is a great match for me. I was really excited about how to build cultures in schools that that needed help and support uh, in that way. Or I could go help the Harbor School um, transition to a new home on Governor's Island uh, and transition out of being just a theme school into a 
state-recognized career and tech ed program, uh, CTE, uh, a CTE uh, school that offered um, program. The Harbor School, uh, and so I... Um, I went out to visit the school. As you mentioned, it's on Governor's Island. The only way to get to, for those of you who are not familiar with the geography of New York City, New York City kind of is its own highlight. If you think about like Times Square, it's its own island and Central Park. It's kind of on uh, the, the main island, uh, Manhattan. Uh, and then just south of it, there's Ellis Island um, and Liberty Island, which you would kind of, you would recognize with the Statue of Liberty. Uh, but there's also Governor's Island, which is an island uh, just south there. They're kind of these little small islands. The only way that you could get to Governor's Island is by ferry. Students had to get on a ferry. Now, students get to school by taking the subway. Anybody that is not in New York City, that's a kind of super foreign experience. But they have to get on a ferry. That is a very foreign experience for for New York City public school kids. And so you get on this ferry, you get to the island. There's nobody out there, just this school, because it is a marine science and technology school. Uh, So they have their own sailboats. They have a school underwater diving program. They had an aquaculture program. It was so cool. Uh, and the school was looking for someone to help them develop into a CT school. Oh, I should have mentioned that my first, uh, the, the school I'd gone to, the, the lowest performing high school, was um, a CT school. I had learned a lot of experiences about how to engage, how to kind of work in an academic program, a highly competitive academic program in a CT school that was preparing students for, for trade programs. So I went to Harbor School, and uh, as an assistant principal there, they were looking for someone as assistant principal. I went there to help them build out their program, learned a whole lot about on-water activities uh, and, <laughs> and sailing uh, and, and water safety uh, and, um, and aquaculture and marine biology. It was, so, it was such a great, uh, a great experience. Um, but that's kind of how I made that, that transition, transition over to the school. I thought... Um, the district move would have been nice. But I, again, I wanted to have those experiences along the way. And I hadn't been officially a school leader in any capacity. And so if I wanted to stay in uh, school reform and school policy in the long term, I wanted to have these experiences. What is it? it? It's one thing to be around people who have those roles. It's another thing to actually be in the role. And so um, and so I thought the best next thing was uh, to, to go as assistant principal. Uh, that kind of transitioned into being the principal of the school and, and you know, up the ladder, uh, up the ladder you go. Well, Edward, speaking of experiences, <laughs> I know somewhere along the line, and I'm, I'm so curious about this story, somewhere along the line, you spent some time as an AP coordinator. <laughs> this, is a, this is a show for AP coordinators, so can you tell us how did you become an AP coordinator? <laughs> um. I, my sense is that my um, path to becoming the AP coordinator is similar to others' path in becoming the AP coordinator uh, in that the principal told me that I would be the AP coordinator <laughs> that school year. Um, <laughs> uh, shared, exp- shared experience, perhaps. Uh, shared experience, yes. So, uh, but but I gladly actually uh, to be to be quite honest uh, I didn't I I didn't even think twice about it I, I, it it felt like a no brainer to me sure of course it was the first time I could be an AP coordinator because I had been an AP teacher kind of in, in my prior role and so I couldn't I couldn't do any of the coordinating role although as I was um, a hovering AP teacher if you will uh, but uh, but in my new role and we all know we all know this uh, in my new role uh, as an assistant principal I was glad to take on um, responsibilities of, a- of AP coordinator right I had been an AP student in high school AP had 
Um, I, I largely credit AP, my AP classes for giving me the confidence to take on applying to, to competitive uh, universities uh, and then to be actually being successful uh, there, feeling successful in, in my coursework there. I had been an AP teacher, started kind of an AP program at a school that had not had it before and had the real life experiences of, of um changing school culture to fold in uh, uh, an academic, a rigorous college-level academic program uh, in a building. And so being an AP coordinator just meant now I could support uh, both students and teachers who kind of really believe in this program. So I, I, was, um, I, I was happy to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I was super happy to do it. it um, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing momentarily because I'm reliving some of those early feelings of being an AP coordinator uh, and wondering if you're, you're going to ask. You're getting choked up. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm wondering if you're going to ask me about them. I remember that first year um, waking up like in panic mid-year. Did did I order enough AP exams? Do we have exams for kids? Right? Like if there are no, if I didn't do the order right, there will be no exams for students to take um, and kind of like double, triple checking uh, APO at the time, right, to make sure that like I had, I had done it, I had done it right. Um, so, uh, and then that first year when you have to like pack the box in a particular way, uh, that had not been an experience I'd had as an AP teacher kind of fighting for an AP program. Uh, and, and I remember thinking like, why on earth do I have to put the pat? Like, what is this about? Um, and like begrudgingly putting things in, but doing it like absolutely to the T, rereading the directions like four times because it was not going to be my fault for a student not getting college credit. They're so funny now that like I've I've literally been to the processing center when they receive the boxes and take the materials <laughs> out of the box. I there's I have firsthand experience now why it is so important that you package your box the right way. Um, gosh, we should do a video. We should do we should do a video just on that. So teach it so coordinators know like why that why why it matters. Um, but anyway, I remember my first uh, my first year uh, and and those. Um, at those moments of making sure that you got it right. Yeah, that's a uh, <laughs> that's a good story that I'm sure <laughs> many of our listeners can relate to, Edward. So uh, I know that was uh, a few years ago at, when you spent some time as an AP coordinator. And any good stories to share from uh, from that time besides your your story about packing boxes? Oh, there's tons of stories. Uh, <laughs> anybody that works in a school has endless stories, right? Uh, so let's see, uh, AP coordinator. Um, Chasing teachers down the hallway. No, you cannot go in that classroom. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, uh, wrangling proctors uh, to get the calculators back and like all of those like, no, like where are the pencils? You cannot have those pencils for your class. We have to use them for the next exam. Um, let's see. What else? Um, you know, there's all, all kinds of special things uh, that you do to, to make sure that kind of AP runs smoothly. I think, what, you know, what stands out as, I, as I'm moving back in my memory, um, what stands out for me is how I was able to be a cheerleader in that role. Um, a cheerleader uh, 
for students and kind of moving out. It was my first year as an assistant principal. So you kind of make the transition of no longer kind of like having direct contact with students every period and having kind of direct contact with with the, the teachers and the educators in the building. I remember it was very easy for me to be a cheerleader for the AP kids. I had been doing that for years. That that was kind of, you know, high fives, AP is coming, kind of put up uh, put posters in the hallway and, and in morning announcements and, and kind of do 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 the standard thing like that. But I could also be a cheerleader for teachers, right? Um, I, my sense is they had a sigh of relief that the person being the AP coordinator had been an AP teacher in the past and knew how hard uh, you work um, to get kids ready for this moment uh, to earn college credit and the struggles and the laughs and the tears and 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 all that comes uh, with, with teaching teaching AP. It felt um, I, I, I'm I'm pretty convinced that they 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 had a sigh of relief knowing that someone kind of was in that role and knew how important that the moment and that that experience was for them. So for me, kind of, the, I think the thing I liked most about it was feeling needed. Uh, the 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 teachers really needed an advocate to make sure that this moment in May. This kind of like two week moment in May went smoothly, um, smoothly for them. It was kind of relief, uh, one fewer things that they, the teachers needed to worry about. So that that was really that was really exciting for me um, in in that regard. Collaborating with them, right? Uh, collaborating with teachers to make sure that it was gonna everything that they needed uh, for this big culminating moment. Uh, we were gonna we were gonna make sure that they had. And everyone, I previously mentioned that this would be a special episode full of inspiring and engaging conversation. Now, of course I'm a little biased, but I'd say it's living up to that billing so far. In fact, Edward has so much more to share. Well, we are going to break new ground on our show and make this the first two-part episode of Coordinated. So we obviously just enjoyed part one. Please join us next week for part two of our continued conversation with Edward Biederman. Thank you for joining us. Coordinated is written, recorded, designed, and produced by Derek Kometa. Our executive producer is Bill Lankenau. Additional vocal support by AP coordinators Leslie Ladd and myself, Carly Suge. Artwork is by Amy O. She is enjoying AP Drawing and three other APs at Savannah Arts Academy. Our theme music is Good As Gold by Jackie Ray, former AP Music Theory student at Oakton High School. For more information on AP coordinators, visit collegeboard.org slash AP coordinator training. That's one word, collegeboard.org slash AP coordinator training. And my personal thanks go to Jim Cluley, Terry Redekin, and all my colleagues at the College Board, including our special guest today, Edward Biederman. Thanks to everyone for allowing me to connect with my favorite people in all of education. And AP coordinators, no one is better at clearing the path. We are always good as gold. 
over and over and over again till I believe it's all. I'm good as gold.